Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast here. First week of April, Brian Pellerin, Max Escarpio, John having computer issues, like the old guy he is, I guess, might jump in along the way, may not. Uh, we gave him 20 minutes. I feel like that's long enough, right? I mean, that, that seems not fair, right? Yep, yep. I mean, we need some Zoom updates that are going to go on in these computers. Yeah, I mean, look, last week we didn't have you because, you know, your your age showed and, and you had to go to class. This week we don't have John because his age shows and he can't figure out technology. So, it's you know, it's a little <laughs> bit of everything for everybody. Uh, we'll get Max's thoughts kind of on uh, on spring practice and, and kind of everything Florida State football over the last, I guess, really month, month and a half here. We've uh, we've kind of been I know MIA, like I said, Max, I first and foremost, thank you for uh, lining up last week's interview with the uh, with the AD, uh, the big man on campus, Mr. Alford. Uh, he was. Uh, I thought really enlightening and lightning. He, he had a lot of great things to say about the. Uh, scheduling aspect, conference realignment, kind of all those sorts of things. So if you missed last week's episode, um, I would definitely go check that out. If you've got time, give it the 40 minutes. If not, the article does cover a pretty decent amount of it, but there is some additional context that I thought really, really in those articles that was, or in the podcast itself, that was certainly interesting. And kind of the way the ACC conversation is going uh, on whether it's long-term, short-term, you know, I think you can kind of read into his words if you listen to it a little better, but if not, you get the idea from the article, but go ahead and give it a listen if you can. Uh, but Max, thanks for, for, uh, for lining that up for us, man. I know that was uh, that's that's where we've been for the last two months. I know we were kind of MIA on that and mostly just chasing that down was what we've been working on. Yeah, yeah. We tried for a couple interviews, but I mean, this one seemed to be seemed to be just just working itself out. And then, I mean, it took a long time, but, but we got it done. Yeah, the women, the women's basketball team making the tournament actually cost us another couple next another couple of weeks, but uh, you know we got it to work come together. Uh, one thing I would say is uh, I did mention to him at the end of the interview that uh, to tell Coach Norvell we do not bite. Feel free to come on the show. We would love to have you. So in case you know anyone's listening again, we're, we would love. That's fine. Come on through. You know the athletic department. Just you know ring Max up, send him an email. It's fine. We'll come on through. Uh, I do want to start actually on basketball because I always joke about you with basketball. Uh, it's been a month. Since I think this actually happened, but you were you were in Miami for the FSU Miami game. Now that Miami's yeah. out of the tournament, how was that? Yeah, that was seemed fun. I was there. Yeah, I mean, usually as a as a media person too, is just like you're you're in the wherever you're supposed to be sitting. You know, you can't you, you can't really make a face. You can't really do anything. But I had a couple guys sitting next to me too who just who just went crazy after the shot and. I mean, there were two guys, uh, Bob McAdoo and Glenn Rice. They both paid for the NBA. They were both sitting on my right, and they just went berserk when when the shot was made. They both jumped up. Bob McAdoo was like 70-something. He almost fell off his chair. So, I mean, the game was insane. The atmosphere was crazy. I had talked about it before that UM fans really wanted that win because, I mean, over the past few years, although they beat Florida State at home this year, they haven't really beaten Florida State too many times, especially at their house. So, I mean, they wanted the win and they wanted to win the ACC. That was an important one for them. And that was obviously a great win for the Seminoles and a ranked win there. Yeah, I know. It was a very uh, disappointing basketball season, but I, I started scrolling through your Twitter again this morning and I saw the videos and I was like, oh, you know what? I'm, I've been meaning to ask him about that for two months. Um, obviously, it, it is timely. The, the Miami just got eliminated from the Final Four last night. So, 
Uh, a, a fun win in their house on a final four team that uh, almost cost them the ACC. You know, they, they did still, I think they tied for it and got it on a tiebreaker or something, but, um, you know, still a fun win. Anyway, football time. Uh, you've been on everything and anything, spring practice, pro day, um, kind of a little bit of everything. So I'm just going to kind of generally ask for your thoughts on a lot of it, but um, my main question seems to be what I've seen in your timeline lately is, is Jared verse growing into a, a leader, sort of a, a big vocal guy on the, on the team, even on just his second year with the team. Well, yeah, actually Derek McClendon, who had just hit the transfer portal, he was not, not so much a leader in, in knowing that, that he's the best player in the room or he's the best player on the defensive line, but he was actually very vocal. And I think Jared verse actually took that role this this year i mean he's obviously the best player on the defense and on that defensive line so he's been able to i I see in practice where he's focusing on showing guys like lamont green jr guys like like gilbert edmund who who it's their first year here and showing them how the defense works other guys who have seen i mean verse doesn't even need to talk to them anymore are guys like patrick payton joshua farmer he doesn't even need to say anything anymore but versus kind of staying all those defensive ends and seeing what he has there to see how it's going to just work well with him. Or perfect timing. I think on the way you set that up, because John's now here. I know John, you missed it earlier, but I made the joke that you, uh, Max showed his age last week when he missed the podcast for school and you showed your age, not figuring out the technology this morning. Uh, but you did have good timing joining right in the football conversation. And Max kind of mentioned McClendon transferring, uh, any thoughts on, or entering the portal and any thoughts on the type of hit that is to this team? Um, I mean, he was a starter. I think McClendon is a good player. Uh, so I do think it hurts, but you know, they've recruited well, they got a bunch of good, good transfers in, uh, I, I, you know, you still have Briggs, right? I think so. You got some other guys that then came in and stuff like that. So, I, you know, I prefer that he was on the team, but I, I, you know, I don't think it's, it's crippling to them, I guess is a way to put it. Yeah. And talking about Briggs too, which I don't think anyone has talked about a lot. He's definitely put on muscle. He's definitely put on weight during the off season. So, I mean, I think he's bound for a bigger role. Obviously he's bound with, with McClendon leaving, but I think we're definitely going to see something from him. Where else have you seen change, seen growth, seen uh, a, a big impression? Is there one group that stands out above the other? I mean, there's a couple. I, I've been here for a couple of years and this is by far, I mean, you just see the depth in every single room. You see the depth in the QB room with the improvement of AJ Duffy. And I mean, Brock's a stud of what he's been able to show. I, obviously you see a, kind of more consistency within defensive back room with Ventral Cypress with guys like I, one of the guys who I obviously want to want to shout out is KJ Kirkland. He's been really good throughout spring practice. He's a, He's, he's kind of a freshman defensive back safety, whatever you want to throw him in as, but he's been fast. Another guy is a Contrivious, what's his name? Contrivious, uh, number 16. He's a defensive back, just came in. Not really a, a highly ranked player, but he's really fast. He's been able to, to show what he can do. His technique's really good. His tactics of, of knowing how the receivers are going to use their hands and what route they're going to run has been really well. So it's been refreshing to see what that defensive back room can do and the improvement that they've made, not only the safety room, but in those corners and, and how they, especially, I mean, they're looking at the, these Florida state receivers who are, are not a joke anymore are not, they, they're ball players. So, I mean, they, they do well against guys like that. 
the depth, 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 right? It's, it's seeing a coach in, in the later parts of his years. No, I don't want to say later part of his years. He's probably got plenty of years left here, but growing more, getting more time in the program, a more chance to, to build on the program. Uh, John, I think you kind of asked uh, Alfred about it last week, just the momentum that that Norvell is bringing. And I think, I know we've kind of talked about it in our last podcast with the three of us, which was a couple months ago now, but the idea of, uh, that setting up expectations, but also that being able to kind of build on itself, the, the the building momentum and kind of being ahead of schedule as a program. Right. And Alfred had said, if I remember correctly, that he did not believe that the program was, quote unquote, ahead of schedule. He They're kind of right where he thought they would be based on on what he knows about about Norvell and, and what he thinks about him and how he's seen him go to work every single day to try to improve this program. Uh, you know, with that, with that said, right. We, I personally thought going into last season, they were going to go seven and five. They ended up winning 10 games, right. They almost, you know, you know, really competed at the end, right. Finished right out there near the top of the conference this year. Right. I'll think a lot of people pegged them as a national title contender. I think they're a kind of a borderline playoff team. Right. But you're still talking somewhere in the, in the range of, in my opinion, five to 10, you know, best team in the country. So yeah, the expectations are sky high, right? You have to think that they're going to compete for with the ACC, um, you know, as Clemson has slipped a little bit and that, you know, Florida state, hopefully, you know, you're talking about orange bowl and maybe, maybe a playoff berth that that's, that's the goal. And those are the expectations. And uh, especially with reports that Jordan Travis has gotten even better than, than where he was last year, where he took a massive leap. Uh, it should be a ridiculously fun season. Yeah, I uh, I do want to talk in your conversation. You mentioned the uh, the the prospects of a future potential playoff team, uh, ACC championship level team. I do want to talk uh, in our next episode. I've got a friend who does uh, a lot of kind of betting conversations, and I was curious to get her thoughts kind of on where, from I guess an outsider perspective, where does uh, you know we look at this team and we see a an offense blossoming, a quarterback that is among the best in college football. We see a, a defense that's bringing back quite a bit and, and adding the depth that it's lacked a lot lately. Um, so I'm interested to hear her perspective on uh, an upcoming episode here, kind of on where nationally people are thinking of Florida state, but Max, you kind of talked about it. The, the way this team look is it doesn't, do they look different? Just like on the field, do they look bigger? Do they look stronger uh, than, than previous years? Is that kind of what when you're talking about like like you know you can see that you've been covering them for a few years it just looks different what what I guess makes it look different There's there's a quote that uh, an SEC coach or I forgot who it was said one time that I, I actually think it was I don't want to name him but he said that the difference between some of those those bigger players the Georgias the the LSU's the Alabamas are the trenches Every time we walk in and we see this offensive line, we see this defensive line, that's what we're focusing on throughout spring practice. And there's a massive difference in the size. There's a massive difference in the speed. And there's a massive difference in the, the, the protection from the offensive line of how they can hold themselves up and the defensive line. There's no one that's been more dominant this spring practice than the defensive line. And that's just showing those trenches of, are improving throughout the, these past couple of years. Yeah, trenches are obviously crucial. It, it's the ability to turn Jordan Travis from um, trying to think of the right runner. I want to pick. I wasn't going to pick a Cam Newton because he was more of a physical. Like I'm going to bang for yard. But but, but the kind of what I was looking for was like I guess Lamar Jackson's MVP seasons versus the other. 
where he kind of got to stand in the pocket and use his legs when he wanted, as opposed to having to use his legs a lot. I kind of think Joe Burrow plays in that way where like the, he's having to use his legs, which he's not the most, he's not anywhere near as athletic as Jordan, but takes a lot of hits trying to just get out of trouble. If the offensive line grows and he can just show off the arm that we saw against, uh, you know, LSU and a bunch of other of those games last year, then, then excellent. Um, Ed Ogeron. Sure. Dan Mullen. I'm not. I, it might have been Ed. It might have been Ed. Okay. It sounded. It sounded very Ed. It sounded very, very. I'm more about the trenches and that sort of thing. Um, makes sense. Yeah. It it does make sense. That's that's where you see it. I mean, the dudes who play up up front for those. I mean, Jesus, look at Georgia. The, the, those guys are just crushing guys in front of them. And then Stetson gets to stand back there and throw to Giants on the outside. He looks all world. Of course, he's going to go to the Hall of Fame now that I said that. But. Uh, <laughs> Max, you also did pro day. Uh, what, what did you see out there? How was that? Uh, I know, I'm sure Jamie was the, was the talk of the town. Jamie was the only talk of the town. He was, I mean, in, in the pass catching drills and the in the cone drills, he was phenomenal. He didn't drop a pass. His his footwork was incredible. His reaction time was it, it was just it was really. And he also talked about after pro day. He didn't want to do the 40 again. He didn't want to do the bench press. He said that all of that should have been more accurate at the NFL draft combine. So he didn't want to just start, start putting numbers together and have to do anything again. He wanted to focus. He said on quote unquote, what scouts wanted him to see and what scouts wanted to show from him. So I thought he had a very good pro day. Um, two teams where I, they were kind of talking to him a lot are the Indianapolis Colts and the Las Vegas Raiders, Las Vegas. I mean, they probably they probably need someone back there like they've been searching for over the past decade. So maybe that'd be a good fit for him. Because I think there's Saints actually just signed their safety from last year's. But John, you uh you like the way Jamie plays? Is it is it translatable to the NFL kind of uh that downhill type uh ta- heavy hitter tackler from the on the secondary? Yeah, absolutely. He's um you know, I don't know what round he'll go in. Uh, you know, I don't think he's on the very top end of the athleticism range. Right. And that's really what the NFL you have to have. Uh, you're talking about the best 1% of all the athletes in college. Uh, but he's really, really versatile. His skill set is, is really, really good. He's a really smart player. He works really, really hard. I think right away, I mean, he'll get drafted into, I think the range where he could be a future starter. I think he'll start on special teams right away. Right. Uh, NFL teams love safeties, especially guys like him uh, on special teams. And he'll work his way into the rotation. Right. So a lot of it, too, depends on where you land, the coaches that you have, how they decide to use you um, and whether there's any injuries in front of you, what the depth looks like on the team that you get drafted on. And that kind of really has a big role to play in how soon you may see the field in a starting capacity. Right. And he'll, he'll get his opportunity for sure to show that he's a starter. And we hope that you know he makes the best of it. There was a former there was a former coach that was talking about where he wants to see Jamie land because obviously they were talking about after Jamie, if there was one team that you'd want to go to, I mean they're taught not to answer that question. Obviously, that's <laughs> just a recipe for disaster. But yeah, right. a former coach asked was asked that question and he said that he thinks that Jamie would fit well with the 49ers and how they run their defense, how they run their team. Yeah, and that that sense he'd make sense for the Texans as well, taking D'Amico over there as well. Hmm. Um, I'm looking at uh, a couple of quick glances on articles. It looks like mid second to late third, kind of that tweener window, maybe a second pit, second round. Uh, 
I think mid second would be a win. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, my guess is he seems, he seems like a day two kind of guy. Um, if he gets to day three, I'd imagine that'd be somewhere. Maybe you see someone trade up to grab him. Um, but it seems, seems like a day two guy. Um, and you know, I think that kind of fits. He's got a lot of raw tools. He's, he, he can tackle and, and not many guys in the secondary want contact in that way. I think it's the size issue right now, to be honest, because I, I see the athleticism there, but in my opinion, I mean, he's a shorter guy that, that you're going to see bigger tight ends. You're going to see bigger running backs. So that's just my thoughts. Max called him small. No, <laughs> no he, he's a good player. He, I think he'll be just fine. I think he'll have a, a pretty good NFL career. Yeah. And uh, obviously I think by our next, no, we're still probably two pods away from getting there, but we'll see how that shakes out by then. Uh, Max, anything else from the last few months that, that you think needs to be talked about? Well, as far as other guys from pro day, um, Dylan Gibbons, Jason turn time. They did not have great days. They didn't, they didn't test very well on, on basically anything. Um, Wyatt Rector, he said that a lot of teams were looking at him as special teams, specifically special teams, not at tight end. So um, he was able to do a couple of things where you can see that speed. You can see some athleticism. So where he can impact special teams. Ontario Wilson had some, had some flash plays where he was able to, to turn his body and, and maneuver well to catch the ball. But he also, I, th- I believe he dropped two passes or, and I mean, you get probably six catches there, seven catches. So you can't be dropping that much. Other guys, I mean, Demetri Emanuel was by far the best offensive lineman through those three guys, but we don't know what's going to go on with him. If he's going to come back for another year, if he's going to, if he's going to move on to the NFL draft, but he was great. He was, he was really fast. His footwork was, was really, he was just, he was doing great in the offensive line drills where they had to, it was kind of that Oklahoma where they had to stand up and start doing those, they're chopping the feet and kind of moving around. As far as the other guys, I talked to I talked to two scouts after, and I won't name what what teams they were, but they said that that that's probably one of the slowest pro days that they've seen this this year. And this was their last pro day. This was their last pro day, and they they went back home after this one because we had a late one. Slow in terms of the how long it took to get through it, or or in the terms of the way like the in terms players? of in terms of timings, in terms of how players moved. And, and how they were able to move through the 40, move through different drills, the, the defensive ends drills, things like that. It, they said it was one of the slowest ones they've seen this year. Something, something I guess, for the program to work on there. Uh, any other type of stuff that we've missed over the last few uh, weeks here? I mean, if you want to talk about practice. Yeah, well, what, what, I mean, if you got something from practice, uh, yeah. I guess we can, we can mention those, those receivers for sure. Cause you guys have definitely heard it. Vandrevious Jacobs has been great. I'm, I'm sure that both of you have heard something of that. He's flashing and that he's doing really well in, in all aspects of the game. He's, he looks like one of the best guys there. That's that as a freshman, as one of the newcomers, he's looks like one of the best newcomers there. Hakeem Williams. There isn't a day where Mike Norvo doesn't absolutely rip Hakeem Williams and just start screaming at him and yelling at him, either if it's in his face or even if he catches a nice ball, Norvell's just, just ripping him. And Norvell kind of talked about that, that he was going to try to break some guys, quote unquote. So that's probably a guy that he's, he's looking to see how he overcomes 
that aspect. And another guy for sure, the most consistent receiver, one of the most consistent players that we've seen throughout spring practice is Kentron Poitier. He said that the game is, is definitely slowed down for him. I think he started playing football when he was like a junior in high school. So he said that he's starting to get way more comfortable and you can definitely see it that right now I'd say he's wide receiver too. And he might be playing like the best receiver on the team right now. Wow. High praise there. Um, the other thing I, I always wanted to make sure I got to you here because you're pretty connected in it and I don't need to scouting reports, but uh, it seems like they're making a lot of, uh, of progress in the recruiting world uh, over the last few weeks here. And, and I know you're kind of, uh, frequently talking to those guys, what can you tell us how, the the way this program is being perceived uh, after the the big year kind of coming up there? I mean, I think we see a, we're seeing the shift right now, and John's favorite two word, the blue chip, is we're starting to see more guys, the five stars, the four stars that are on campus and are are really having those in depth conversations of becoming a Florida State Seminole. We're not seeing those those three stars come in and and trying to make an impact that and having those development years and we're not seeing that anymore. And I think we're going to start seeing that shift. I think that twenty twenty four class is going to see that shift where you're going to see a lot of blue chip players come in, and you see those guys that are that are visiting campus of twenty twenty five, even twenty twenty six. I know it's a long time away, but in twenty twenty four, that are five stars, that are four stars, and I mean, you, you just you just got a commitment from a 2020, 2025 QB Tramel Jones Jr. who, if he was rated right now, he'd probably be rated at a four-star. John, just, uh, I know Max kind of hit on it. The blue chip is your favorite thing. Just a, a, a quick <laughs> synopsis, synopsis for, you know, any new listener. Why, why is that so important? Uh, because I think 80% of winning in college football is having more talent than everyone else. It's we, you know, you guys briefly touched on Georgia, uh, absolutely destroying everybody, right? It's because they're the most talented team in the country. You know, Kirby smart got them to surpass Alabama, uh, a little bit. And then, you know, I know Alabama, I think is still there. What I like it used to be the most talented team in the country is around 60%. Now that these guys are up at 70%, right? And Florida state had dipped below 50% after Jimbo with Willie Tiger. And they're more closer to like 35 or 40%. So building, and that's the other thing too, is, you know, the first year, Mike Norvell, that, you know, we, we talked about this before in the past a lot, it's a transition class. A lot of it, you know, those players transfer out. So we were hoping that year two was where Norvell would really have that class. And it didn't really happen. It's only to Max's his point. It's only just now starting to happen, right? So it's a little bit later than than I wanted, but he is transforming, you know, and again, he used the portal to great effect for that as well uh, to help springboard the 10 win season last year. But I, yeah, I think Max is, is spot on where now that you've had a 10 win season on the books, you've shown the improvement, you've shown the development, uh, you're starting to attract the top most talented guys out of high school. And that is really encouraging to see because that's what's going to, launch the program to where you really want it to be, right? Which is a national title contending program where you're beating Clemson, you know, at least 50% of the time, you know, winning, winning the ACC, uh, you know, 50% half the time or more than that. So um, it, it bodes extremely well for the future. I'm glad it just took longer than I thought it would be. You know, you think after Norvell didn't do that in year two or year three, hit 50% blue chip, you thought maybe it wasn't going to happen. And that would be what stalls the rebuild. But uh, so far it looks good. I mean, a lot of people have already gotten comfortable with having the transfer portal over the the high school commitments either way. So if that's going to work for Florida State, then so be it. Seems to be the way they've decided to to grow the program. And 
it's worked. And if they can start, you know, injecting that talent in earlier too, it, it's the combo makes you extremely dangerous. That's that's where you become uh, a, a top tier program. And and John, it really sounds like you're saying the Seminoles are. <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah well you know i made this point too in an article i wrote a few months ago i think it was where you know it was a real detriment to florida state and mike norvell having to use the transfer portal right it was new it was chaotic you know you didn't have much talent on on your team he was forced to use it and that was a struggle but i think now a few years later florida state is one of the dominant programs in the portal right you know it's a few i think michigan state is another one people talk about quite a bit but really florida state i think uh, they're established, I guess, is one way to put it in the portal. I think that's really worked to their benefit. And now the high school recruiting is coming after that. So I thought that was interesting dynamic. You're, you're starting to see through these high school players now. I mean, I see them all over social media, even the high school coaches where Florida State is Florida State again. Tallahassee is is that you want to go play football, go to Tallahassee. That's that's I'm not saying Florida State is back, but I'm saying the hype around Putting on that garner and gold, I believe that's back with the recruits. Wow. It's good well, how about hear. that? Yeah. So there you go. Wow. What a great uh, little punctuation mark on the pod there. And apologies if I blow out anyone's eardrums. I really tried to muffle that, that yell there. <laughs> uh, it was real. I thought it was muffled well. But if I didn't, I'm sorry. That's on me. I'll wear it. I'm sorry. Uh, cool, guys. I think we've got a good show here. Um, and lastly, any any thoughts on WrestleMania Night One going into WrestleMania Night Two? Thoughts there? That's why we're recording in the morning. No, hmm? no, no thoughts. Okay, keeping to myself. Uh, <laughs> appreciate you guys listening along. Um, all right, the next show probably in a couple of weeks here. I assume probably in two weeks from now. I'm gonna try and get that friend I mentioned lined up for you to talk kind of the national perspective. See how much you know the nation at large thinks Florida State is back. It definitely is going to be a big year for that. I think. Right? Yeah. I think you need to prove. Not a flash in the pan last year, not a couple of lucky bounces, but you are a real 10-win uh, contender year in and year out. So I'm interested to see kind of where Florida State falls from an outsider's perspective. So hopefully we'll have that for you in two weeks. Uh, until then, Brian, Max, John, that's a wrap. Oh, 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 oh.